that thousand dollars and getting your name on the wall mm. and getting your t-shirt mm. and being part of the club that the goodwill which is essentially the part that's really hard to value in a business is higher from that individual giving that small amount mm. of money than it is from an institutional investor who's oh. looking at bottom line oh yeah right Welcome to Bruce News Week, recorded on 25 May 2022. I'm Matt Kirkegaard, founder and editor of Australian Bruce News, and I'm joined by senior journalist Claire Burnett and industry consultant Sabrina Kunz. Hello, nice to see you both. <gasps> so weird to see Matt in the flesh. It is. Back it in is. the office. It really is. Uh, so it's lovely. Mm, it's, it's nice it's to be nice. back and, uh, you know, you back on You genuinely look mic. sort of sprightly and excited to be here. I, I don't know why. Like it, 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 <laughs> I don't know like, why. <laughs> Not, no, like, it's I'm not us. Genuinely excited to see you. Uh, so yeah. So um, I mean, no one needs to hear this stuff. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's been a rough couple of weeks. It's been very busy, and uh, you know, jumping on another plane, having been down to Adelaide last week. Um, happy birthday, Coopers! One hundred and sixty. Um, pretty impressive. A lot of candles to blow out. Um, impressive. Yeah. Uh, look, and we're really, really thrilled um, to have gotten to go down and uh, celebrate um, with, with Coopers and be there and. Uh, you know, sort of see it because it's a uh, it, it it's not something that we're going to see again. You know, as uh, yep. as I described with um, you know Stone and Woods passing out of independence last year. You know, and basically the underlying message is you can't grow and do it. I, th- I think the um, and you know we'll talk a little bit about um, equity crowdfunding this week, no doubt. But uh, yeah, the, the the opportunities to grow a business to that scale in this day and age, uh, we're probably not going to see another one. Or even just sixth-generation family. Mm. You know, that's pretty – I mean, that's, that's pretty – rare in any, in any business, exactly. in any industry. The, the, the number of closing doors that they've had to pass through, yeah. you know, in, in evolution, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the, the evolution of life. You know, the yeah. dinosaurs get killed and – Anyway, that's fine. It was lovely, <laughs> lovely to be down there. Happy, happy birthday, Coopers! It was actually look, lovely, lovely dinner. Um, and but you know, it was just interesting to see, you know, in this beautiful dinner. Um, it, it, it was still interesting to see that beer and food matching it just is so hard to pull off. Well, um, I had this great dinner with great beers, but you know, in, in a function where it's wine, so much easier. Huge opportunity for us to improve as well, an industry. And, and on that, because tomorrow night is the Australian International Beer Awards, Yay. and whoop that whoop. is an event that has really, really lifted its game over the last... I'm really excited having uh, seen a sneak peek of the the, the menu as an as an MC. Curly and I, I don't think I've... We, we've said this. I don't think we have. I, I don't think we have. That, you know, um, Curly Waldhorn will be back um, as, as, as the host, and I've uh, been invited to MC the event tomorrow night. So, uh, ha- having had a sneak peek, anyone that's listening to this, we're recording this a day early, but we're it goes out. Early. It'll be going out while we are all while we're frocked there, and so suited and partying yeah. hard at the And AIB. enjoying what mm. is going to be a really impressive. But over the last few years, because I remember the very first AIBA that I went to. <laughs> like having a passion for beer and food and going to my very first Australian National Beer Awards and waiters walking around with Belgian quads in the stubby on a tray. And so no glass, nothing, because they were so used to, you know, the, the beers going around with the big brewers and just drinking beer out of a stubby as you're standing around waiting. And, you know, so drinking a Belgian quad and you're going, this is just ridiculous. You know, surely as an industry, we can present our product better than this. And now they do. And now they do, beautifully. So uh, anyway, um, we're looking forward to tomorrow night. But as we like to say, without any further abrew, um, let's... (laughs) 
doing? Explain to me. I just um, say that. The news. The news. The news. Okay. Over to you, Claire. Um, um, good drinks signed Game Changer. Their words, not ours. Yes, uh, deal with Molson Cause. You may have seen yesterday. Good drinks owner of Gage Roads Bruco has announced uh, a distribution agreement with Molson Cause. As part of the deal, Good Drinks will be exclusively um, distributing Molson Coors brands, uh, formerly under the Coca-Cola Euro-Pacific Partners umbrella, which collectively represent approximately 15 million litres per annum. Some of the Molson Coors brands will be manufactured by Coopers, while others will be imported, which means that Good Drinks production goals, including moving away from contract brewing, will be unaffected. Definitely one for below the fold. In other news, the beer trial receives Victorian small-scale funding. So this was a lovely one from Victoria recently. A local business director received $43,000 from the Victorian government's small-scale and craft program to support its Bayside Beer Belt, an ale trail consisting of 10 craft breweries and distilleries. The Kingston Collective Grant was first announced as part of the latest $750,000 round uh, in which grants have have been awarded to uh, 10 as-yet-unannounced Victorian producers. Uh, Kingston Collective co-founder Natalie Wilson said that the grant will go towards building the brand and promoting it not only to locals in the area, but to those visiting Melbourne and looking for an immersive educational and fun day experience. Um, So lovely bit of news there from Victoria and uh, nice to see the Victorian government putting its money where its mouth is. New Zealand Hops Chief moves on. New Zealand Hops has announced the departure of its CEO after two and a half years in the position. In a short statement, the Grower Cooperative advised that Craig Orr has resigned and is moving on to focus on new business interests. Orr oversaw a significant rebrand for New Zealand Hops, which increased focus on building relationships with North American markets, as well as partnering with Bintani to distribute its hops in Australia. All the best to uh, Craig, who, as as you say, uh, oversaw a very, very challenging time for New Zealand hops. New head brewer at Filter. Absolutely. So Max Hamel has been appointed head brewer at Filter Brewing, having worked as lead brewer under Sam Fuss for the past eight months. Uh, Sam is actually moving on to help set up a brewery in Bali um, and shameless plug there is a brewer job available we will put it in the show notes if you fancy uh, if you're a brewer and you fancy working in bali under sam fuzz yeah, what an opportunity they, yeah aren't they exciting job posts when you sort of see them uh, shared so uh, but great opportunity ballistic with sundays one yes, year on absolutely another um exotic locale uh you might remember about a year ago, um, Ballistic acquired Whitsunday Island Brewing Company. It was one of a series of Ballistic's um, sort of new venue strategy. Um, and while it's overall been a positive experience for the business, um, its challenges, it, it's it's faced some challenges, as you might expect in a tourist spot during COVID. Uh, so uh, Ballistic CEO David Kitchen spoke to our journalist Vivian Topalovich, talking about the issues around marketing and branding in Brisbane Brewery and other areas of the state. Uh, and um, we also, and another shameless plug here, um, <laughs> insert the fantastic podcast with Lauren Jack, who was brilliant. Um, she's uh, Ballistic's Chief Operations Officer. So that just adds a little bit more detail to uh, Ballistic's multi-venue strategy as well. That's a very relevant plug. Nothing shameless about that. Oh, thank you. Anyway, that is <laughs> the news you need to be kept abreast of the news of the week. <laughs> and now you can get back to your job or you can join us below the fold. Good drinks. We'll, we'll, we'll start chronologically. We'll start from the top, yeah. Good drinks, yeah. Yes. So an interesting one. I don't know, guys. I, it just doesn't seem to 
bearing in mind that Good Drinks have already got Magnus and San Miguel and in their portfolio, it's not that odd, but it just it seems it it feels like a funny line and CUB have got mm. huge portfolios of you know, multiple brands and. True, true, true. You know, like, it, it was interesting to see some of the comments, you know, oh, they're going to change the name from Good Beer. Sorry, I should have done a full voice. <laughs> too, uh, good and bad drinks. But beer is beer, and people love it. And yeah. it, it looked, again, not being Mr. Um, craft Beer is dead, but we are in a post-craft beer world. Mm-hmm. The revolution, you know, wasn't broadcast live on TV. Um, you know, craft beer is a segment of the beer industry. It, you know, it, ha- it hasn't replaced what went before mm-hmm. it's it's joined it yep. and uh businesses that want to grow need to play in you know very very strongly in the you know 85 percent mm-hmm. of the market that it's is still and cause like it that surprised me you know i didn't even realize it was sort of readily available here as well, a consumer <laughs> 15 million liters because it was yes. handled by coke and it was a sort of it was a sort yeah. of brand that you only ever saw at Restaurants, shitty red. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to call it like the, the, the sort of places that just sell the, the 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 list. They don't put any thought into constructing a list. They just go, okay, we'll take yeah. Coke. We'll take is it, is it Grinders Coffee that Coke? Yeah, you know, I don't know, whatever their mm. whatever Coke's spirits portfolio was and whatever their beer thing is. We're not going to put any thought into it. We're not going to look at what our client want. We're just going to take the money and run. And do the contract deal, and that's the sort of place. And so it, it's probably not the sort of places that we go. Presumably, this is just packaged product. It's not packaged. No, it'll be draft. It no, will no, be draft no, you, you, as you'll well. see it, yep. a lot of American themed sports bars and stuff right, like that yep. will have it on because it's um, it, it, it's the same conversation we seem to had when we discussed the Magnus acquisition, and we were sort of like, ugh, why do they want to distribute that? It doesn't feel like mm-hmm. a nice fit. It's a post craft world. Sorry, but, to, but and also nobody knows the good who in the market random marketplace who random citizen would know or care that Good Drinks is distributing more some calls as opposed to somebody else. What do no, they say? It's it, a house of brands. Yep. Like, like they're. Well, I mean, it's the point that they've made, which is is right, right? They have to find um, – if Gage Roads Brewing is their flagship mm-hmm. and they have to find ways to grow their flagship or at least sustain their flagship um, rather than um, doing other things, yep. they've decided – Developing another brand from scratch. They've decided to – um, that they want to increase their sales and marketing workforce mm-hmm. um, and this facilitates that for them. Yep. So it's the same as, um, you know, I was talking to someone from who had a Yamundi Brewing t-shirt on and they were a sales rep and they said, oh, well, I rep all the small brands and I was like – and then and Voodoo Ranger and mm. Overseas but hyper-local were part of that. Panhead was part of that. And I thought, oh, that's really strange. They mm. don't all fit together. But they walk into a restaurant, they walk into a bar, and they are repping the full range yep. from mm-hmm. Lion and basically will sell whichever ones fit with that particular establishment yep. or whichever ones they want to take. And now that that option is available yep. to the staff at Good Drinks. So and, Yeah, exactly. And it's what publicans want. It's what people that run venues want. They don't want to have to deal with 10,000 different sales reps Precisely. or other people That's or systems p- or invoicing or exactly. whatever. That's what, why it's been successful, right? That's one of the... Gravity particles. Um, yeah. in, you, know, you know how I talk about the gravity of, of business. Um, you know, the, the excitement of craft beer saw it happen, but venues that open that get tired of having to order, you know, through mul- you know, having multiple accounts, having multi- you know, um, and multiple debtors, having multiple sales reps yep. and all of that sort of thing, it just becomes tiresome when you stop seeing a benefit to your business 
for that. And you know, that's and it's why the argument about sort of I always participated in the the conversation around tide taps. But you were like, if you're in a regional town and you want to set up a brewery, and these costs are going to be covered to you, yep. and you're going to have a single sales rep for the next twenty years. You don't really bat an eyelid at that mm. because even if you want to offer all of these other things, from a financial perspective as the publican, it, it, it's it's overwhelming. And so actually mm-hmm. now this creates an opportunity for Gage Roads, uh, well, for good drinks and its flagship to have a, you know, to, to, mm-hmm. to compete um, maybe in places and in the types of restaurants, bars and pubs that it couldn't previously. And it's no different to craft breweries that are, you know, the, 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 as I say over and over again, craft beer was built on the promise of doing it better, doing it differently, doing it, you know, and it's purer beer and, you know, malt water, hops and yeast, all of the things that we used to talk about being a craft beer, but then suddenly making a seltzer in, on the same equipment, selling it through the same... That, that's what I mean. So yeah. instead of diversifying that way and adding in all of these other weird products, mm. they've gone, actually, the way that we're going to be able to um, keep doing our core business is by is by expanding our workforce like, this way. Yeah. So, um, And the other thing is, you know, we can't take anything away. They're still doing at Gage Road some really, you know, the... They're so focused on quality. Yep. We know that, you know... Oh, Claire, uh, clouting. I was just about mm-hmm. to say, Claire yep. spends... They, they contribute significant time to the IBA, to supporting other breweries. So, y- you know, you can't take anything away from the contribution that they're making to, quote-unquote, craft, mm-hmm. right? And to, and to craft and to quality and to sharing their expertise and to developing the marketplace. So, you know... I think we're actually past the stage. Like, there's a note of justification for why this is okay. Like, I honestly think that the industry should be past that because it's just the... As I said at the start, craft beer is part of the bigger market and breweries that want to grow. And they are a publicly listed company. Yeah. Their share price has been stagnant for a long time. Mm. Um, you know, when you, you know, look at... Um, how well they've been doing. Mm-hmm. There's, and this is the sort of thing that will, you know, if they want to grow their business, they want to grow their revenue and they want to get a return for their shareholders, this is the sort of thing that businesses it, have to do. Yep. And it's yep. actually really great to see an independent um, organisation um, get an international deal of this scale. Mm. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like impressive. it's actually nice to see that sort of yep. thing occurring yep. because yep. it means they're in the mix, mm. right? People, it's being treated like a big business. It's, yep. it's, you know, and that they can operate on that level says a lot about where we are as an industry as well. Exactly. Because about four or five years ago, when we saw the wave of purchases at, you know, of AB InBev, you know, buying in, into Australia and, uh, you know, all of the acquisitions are going, Molson Coors was one of the ones that wasn't really acquiring anything. So even in the US, um, it, it was getting a little bit left behind. Um, and when everyone was asking, well, who is there to buy craft breweries in Australia? You know, what is the market for mm. buying craft breweries in Australia? You're going, well, Lion and CB, you know, they're digesting what they've eaten already. Yeah. Um, who is who is there to buy? And Molson, of course, so I'd subscribed to all of their financials um, a, a couple of years ago because I actually saw them. So at the moment, they're here, you know, growing their brand. But, you know, I, I actually think that they may be a, a, a business that 
considers acquisitions. Considers acquisitions. Mm. And also what I was surprised about having written that article was, yeah, there were some naysayers and stuff, but there are some people who are really into American imported brands. I got an email being like, I love this and I don't want them to F it up and all this. And I was like, okay, wow, okay. Well, if you're looking at 15 million litres, I mean, Mm -hmm. if they're they're selling 15 million litres of those brands... I mean, what Stone at Wood Pacific Ale was less than twenty million liters. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 not an insignificant volume um, for a brewery that was you know in 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 the same yeah. size spaces. You know, it's essentially doubling. It's funny because it just it just puts into perspective the size of our craft breweries in Australia. Oh yeah, in in a global content mm-hmm. you know if 15 million liters is what Moore's uh, cause is selling here and you know we who are in the industry barely see it it mm. means that like it, it just shows you the size of the pool and how much craft beer is actually getting out of it but then how small that is as a percentage <laughs> for, for Molson cause internationally. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Like oh, just yeah. in the ocean. Just yeah. a tiny, tiny speck of dust. Mm-hmm. And so it just gives you that, um, and I'm sure you saw it at CBC, Matt, but just the scale, we can't comprehend the scale that we're talking about. So when we're mm. talking about small and medium breweries in the Australian context, mm-hmm. they just don't rate yep. in the you know, the US context in terms Mm. of size. I did think it was interesting and maybe something to look into a little bit further is um, Gage Roads doesn't want to do any more contract brewing, Mm. but it still wants the distribution side of things. But then Cooper's is... Which is, which is, which is yeah, I, I find it interesting fine. that they would even refer to it as contract brewing because if you're brewing something for under under license that you're distributing, mm. then, I mean, it, yeah, it's contract brewing, but it's mm-hmm. still keeping control of your mm-hmm. supply and, thing, and, and things like that. Cause if but you're still contract brewing because it's not your recipe. Well, it's well, it, not your IP. It's not your well, process. You would be Brewed dictated. under license is still different to contract brewing. So, you know, like Heineken brewed in Australia – under license, made by Lion for Heineken, mm-hmm. no one ever thinks of thinks of it as contract brewing. It's called brewed under license. Um, but also, yeah. if if it's volume, one of the things that breweries want is volume because it brings all of your cost of goods down. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're still paying a toll to Coopers um, for 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 the volume, you can probably negotiate a pretty good price with Coopers, mm-hmm. but you're not getting the benefit of the scale. But then again, if if they're nearly at production capacity yeah. and they don't want to invest in you know, having seen the brewery I don't know where they could expand much more um, that you know it suits them to have that volume because it, it who knows it, mm. we, we probably need to uh, speak to Aaron here again who we seem to get on you know he's one of those mm. you know those people that it's just good to speak to more regularly than others because it does really provide a very interesting insight into the business of brewing and the, in the scale of the industry. Well, yep. when we're over, we're going to visit um, Gage Roads yes. in a couple of weeks' time for WA Beer Week. So I'm sure we can, you know, dig into this while we're over there. I'm sure it'll be part of the big chat. But talking about how businesses grow to stay relevant and grow the thing, like equity crowdfunding, this is probably the appropriate time to talk about it. We've seen, you know, one of the venerable old craft breweries if you can talk about that you know bridge road um you know one of the elder states persons um of the uh, um <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that they'd like to be how, described how, well how no in terms of craft beer, um <laughs> less than 20 um yeah so 2003 2004 um, right. without uh dragging things on right. by uh 
Because we talked about a kasha last week, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so 2005. Beach 2005 again, not mm-hmm. not too bad. Well, and a kasha is newer, but yeah. mm-hmm. Dave Patton's certainly been around. And you know, again, two very firmly established, um, well respected, quality focused breweries and Bridge Road. You know, Ben again. You know, in in terms of the, for want of a better term, purity of what he does. He has a vision, an ethical compass, you know, like a, a, a business compass that drives the business, you know, about provenance and things like that. He, he is just one of the, you know, the, 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 the passionate people. And so, you know, when we talk about equity crowdfunding, it doesn't reflect on those businesses. But I think that, as we said with Akash's last week, the challenge that businesses have is how do you get capital for growth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go to the bank. Um, and you know, I, I, Brendan, you went to a really interesting chat during last week. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether that was Chatham House Rules, where you, hmm. you can't really discuss it. But Ross Jurisic um, was talking about the growth of Stone and wood. wood, and you know, yes, they had the money, a, a, as we were told before the sale from their bankers A and Z. But it would have taken them a certain period to to pay it off. Um, and you know, depending on how on how the business was. You, it, it changes the cha- it changes the decisions that you can make as a business yep. when you've got a, a loan to a bank. Yeah, so I attended an event last week um, that was a fundraiser for the MND Motor Neuron Disease Foundation and Ross from Stone Wood was presenting on the business of beer. So it wasn't sort of a beer event. Um, no. But he talked about the history of um, Stone and Wood and it was interesting to hear it from you know, from the horse's mouth, <laughs> as you were. Um, and they really talked about, you know, when they were in their early stages tanking on debt financing um, and what that meant for them in terms of how they thought about their business, but also how it set them up that they took smaller early loans so that and paid them off and were always on time so that as they grew their business, they essentially had a pipeline from the bank because they were a known entity. Mm -hmm. Um, But that in the early stages, you know, they were remortgaging and they were doing things so that they could – and relying on debt financing. So that was the way that they sort of grew in the very early stages. And then they obviously needed to look at alternative capital solutions and one of them was, um, you know, to sell a percentage of their business um, and they sold it to one entity. But in this case, you know, Akasha and Bridge Road are looking for – equity crowdfunding but they're looking for a stake of their business to multiple other people yeah. because at some point you need, you need money to capital grow. to grow you mm. can't grow from revenue um, and stone and wood uh, and, and ross was saying and you know, they your were house three is on the line years, if you go to the bank they were three years to break even yep. um and so you know three years you're waiting to pay back um and so you know that's a pretty lengthy period of time in a environment and a society where we mm. want everything done I would yesterday. argue that we mm-hmm. saw that with Mountain Goat, for example. So those guys had, you know, grafted, um, you, know, sort of, you know, worked hard to get the brewery to the, the size that it was. They had invested, invested, invested every time they had to grow the brewery. They're at the stage where they needed to do it again. But they also had grown their volume through contract brewing that they weren't particularly transparent about in, in, my, in my view, but they'd grown the business and, you know, it's left well, we need to either invest again and go through all of the stress and heartache and 
you, your body has only so much capacity to wear these risks and challenges and things. That's why I think the Gage Roads one is, um, not to kind of circle back too mm. much, but is so interesting because they could have, to your point, they could have found a way to invest more capital in more um, tin and made more beer, even under contract, right? That's one way they could have grown. And instead, they've tried, decided to grow by increasing their distribution um, by trying to penetrate the market more with the products they've already got mm-hmm. and with the volumes they've already got by bringing on more sales and marketing. So mm-hmm. um, they've just taken a different route to finance, yep. um, you know, their their approach. Yep. So, so as, it's clever. As two breweries like Akasha in um, uh, Bridge, Bridge Road, Road, absolutely, like it, it is such a good way. And, and it, it always just comes back to, for me, that – these things are marketed as an investment, um, and you know, and it's something that once the, the story comes out, we've seen the financials. Yeah. We speak to Ben about it because you know Ben has always said, "I don't want to sell the brewery," and I'm sort of going, "Well, how can it be an investment <laughs> if they're never going to get anything out of it?" Yeah, <laughs> um, un- un- unless they're going to pay dividends. And I haven't, you know, we, we, again, we haven't seen well, and that's why it's we on the expression wait of interest phase, and this we is why we wait because yeah. at the moment we've only got questions about it, and mm-hmm. even the platforms that are being used and the disclosure documents, yep. and so depending on how it's well, one's yeah. equitized, one is virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, again, virtual as, as you know, yeah, very good at beating the drum, very good at building hype, mm-hmm. very good at. But again, you know, <laughs> do you want an investment? to be hype-driven or do you want it to be a sober consideration of mm. financial prospect? And I don't think that they allow – the equity crowdfunding doesn't allow that. But then also, as we've seen with Endeavour, you can be a shareholder, you can be a significant shareholder and still get no say in the running of the business mm-hmm. and yet these are sold you – know, can, can I ask a silly question? <laughs> um, maybe this is – I can't remember if this – I don't know if this is silly or not, but – so if we just take Black Ops, who did crowdfund using the virtual platform, right? Mm. So uh, essentially would adopt the methodology that they would recommend as experts in this space. Once you have acquired your equity stake, is it tradable? So can you? No. Well, no. There's no second unless the brewery creates one. That's yeah, right. There's, there's no, no secondary, secondary market. market for exactly. It. Yeah. So. So I, I haven't heard of anybody, any Australian yeah. ones. Yeasty Boys have had a couple of sales um, of theirs, you know, so they've opened a window or they've, where, where they facilitated it. There were a couple of in the UK. Yeah. Um, where you could do that yourself. To. Yeah. But it's only for the one business. It's not like a marketplace yeah. like the ASX or anything yeah. like that, is it? So I guess yeah. what I'm getting at is, so for example, and I'm just taking Black Ops because it's already happened mm. and we don't have all the, the information for the two that are coming up. But Equity Crowdfund, we go, hey, can you invest in our business? It's going to be great and you're going to get your T-shirt, your name on the wall, free whatever. Mm. Um, and to your point, Matt, somewhere in that document, presumably it talks about a financial return. Mm. Um, but we all in this room go, eh, just assume it's a donation mm-hmm. for participating in the community. And that so is. do a lot of yeah. people who invest, That's right. by the way, as well. There's no, no criticism there because a lot of the people do feel they're investing in a company that they believe in. So they're buying into a company that they believe in. Yeah, so I guess my point is that if you are unhappy with the company that you've bought into because you actually expected a financial return, you can't cash out no. Yeah. And be like, actually, my return's not doing like you could with other investments. Yes. You can't be like, oh, my return's not delivering me what I thought it was. I'm going to take mm. my three thousand dollars and reinvest it elsewhere. Mm. Once you've mm. put it in, it's a sunk cost yep. essentially, yeah. right? So I it is that. a little bit like in it, it. It is much more similar to a give a little 
um, oh, than well, it is we to said earlier. We well, were talking about this this morning. But oh, it, okay. it, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's actually much more like the cooperative model. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Except, <laughs> except okay, so okay. key have, detail. Yeah, have power. It, they're marketed governance. as an investment. Yeah, um, but. Most people are never going to see a return on their investment unless they buy a lot of, you know, unless they get their ten percent discount for things like yeah, that. Yeah, because your secondly, only mechanism is dividends, not yep. buyout, right? The other thing is, you know, like Endeavor described as be part of the family, be part of the family and friends that started this business, and mm-hmm. they're always, you know, have a share in the brewery. F- you know, you, you you you're part of the ownership. You know, you, mm-hmm. you you're inside the tent. And yet we see over and over Endeavour, you know, some of the original family and friends who were, were investors have been trying to get answers from the business. Can't get it. And this is Endeavour Brewing, this not is, Endeavour Drinks. Yeah, Drinks, drinks um, in Endeavour Brewing. Um, you know, Batch Brewing, uh, Bucket Boys, both who did crowdfunding, the, 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 the Batch shareholders found out about the acquisition or the assumption of the debt of Bucket Boys <laughs> through Bruce News. Mm. So, you know, that they weren't consulted on the decision to do it or anything like that. And, and they didn't have to be either. Mm-hmm. But yeah. when, when, when these things are marketed as an investment and you're part of the man, you know, you own a share of the business, if I own something, I want to have a say. Um, yep. And yep. A, a, as you do in a cooperative. A cooperative. So yep. you actually have fewer rights and fewer engagement in the business than um, the cooperatives. And so mm-hmm. we had a media release this week that we didn't cover as news because it wasn't really news, but the Sydney, what is it, Hopsters? I believe it was Hopsters and they now 800 has 800 members. members. Yeah. And so you've got 800 members who are all contributing to the financial viability. You've got the same community that the equity crowdfunding people want, but you actually are written into the constitution that the members yeah. have a say. Have a say. Which um, is the same. Yeah. I mean, that's the model for the IBA, right? Exactly. Like it, that's how associations yep. or groups work. You may not cooperative win, models. but mm. you are certainly it's consulted on, on decisions. Yeah, and even within a more sort of formalised situation like the ASX, if a share, a group of shareholders, a major shareholder has an issue with the way that people are running that business, there are processes where they can make that heard mm. uh, AGMs and stuff like that that's not the case well that with equity well funding. that was sort of where I was going because you know there is a thing that so for example for gauge roads you know and and we've seen this actually with um, the new owners of brew but you can keep acquiring shares of a business until you become very close to majority shareholder right but that's mm. not possible in equity crowdfunding no. because you can't acquire the shares from someone else so if for example you purchased it as an investment you're like I really want to get involved in this business and then you thought mm, don't really like the direction it's going how do I how do I gain more control there is no mechanism yeah. for you to mm-hmm. do that and yeah. how do you the other thing is you know if you are a ethical investor for example and your business gets involved in blood diamond mining in Africa yeah. or, you know, decides to open a yeah. coal seam gas facility. You or get even to just a horrible, like, employment scandal, yeah. James Watt. <laughs> <laughs> you get to, say, you know, vote on the stock market and potentially drive the price yeah. down mm-hmm. by selling your shares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Equity crowdfunding, again, market as investment, you mm-hmm. don't get to do any of that. You Like, you're stuck being yeah. on the share register of a business that you no longer want to be associated with. Well, you're not on a share register, though. It's, well, not, it's not, you're on a... An equity crowdfund list, (laughs) you know, you're not a shareholder in the way that we think about shareholders, as in you're not listed on the corporation's register as a shareholder of the business, are you? Well, there there is a share, like they they do have share registries Mm -hmm. where they keep track and they communicate, and you can go in as of Mm -hmm. those sorts of things. But it's such a nominal amount that they have 
a percentage of the like yeah. the percentage it, of the business. It's a nominal they just say, amount, <laughs> but the, apparently the valuation of that business is <laughs> yeah. you know astronomical. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah. Give it, so it's interesting. So Stone and um, one of the stories that that Ross told at. Um, and again, at this lunch last week was that, you know, as you know, Stonewood had an employee share scheme yep. um, and employees could buy in. And, and that's similar where there would be a register of, mm-hmm. of equity and, it, mm. and a transfer. And it was basically not worth much unless it vested, yep. right, until they just sold. Just like the Brewdog one. Just like yep. the Brewdog one. And so um, he was telling the story of this one employee who had been a long-serving, you know, employee who just kept saying, I've talked to my family. My family think the share scheme is crap. I don't want it. And he kept saying, "We really think like you're one of five people that hasn't gotten it. You should you should buy into the share scheme. Like you should have you should take this." And he was like, "No, no, no, don't want it, don't want it." My family think so. When they sold because the employees were paid out, so mm. actually their shares finally invested um, into something meaningful. Um, this employee would have received over a million dollars as part of the transaction and received essentially nothing. Um, and and he went in on, of course, to say that the founders, you know, gave him some money um, as part of it, although they weren't required to do it um, because he'd basically been declining to participate in the scheme. Mm. And I guess the reason that I tell that story is that like the equity crowdfunding, it seems like it's worthless, right, <laughs> until it's yeah. worth something. But it's a, so bit, it's a bit of a gamble. It's though. a total gamble, yeah. right? So it's a, it's Name an employee me a brewery sh- that has equity crowdfunded that is a takeover target. <laughs> And, and again, and again, look again. Not wanting to single anybody else out, but Batch. Um, one of the questions that I asked, if you go back and listen to their conversation with Batch, some of their original investors had sold out to a, a like a an investor who mm. bought in before the equity crowdfunding. And you know, their crowdfunding documents talked about a two hundred fifty return, two hundred fifty percent return that the original, but they wouldn't tell me what that value of the business at. Because the value of the business was less than the equity crowd. So e- even when shares were traded, they traded at a lower value than the equity crowdfunding because they said, well, this is what the business is worth to us. But it's also. Even though it's not worth to a sophisticated investor. That's right, because I don't know how to say this delicately, but to Fred, who is emotionally invested in Akasha. Mm. That $1,000 and getting your name on the wall mm. and getting your T-shirt mm-hmm. and being part of the club, that the goodwill, which is essentially the part that's really hard to value in a business, is higher from that individual giving that small amount mm. of money than it is from an institutional investor who's oh. looking at bottom line. Oh, yeah. Right? That's exactly it. And, yeah, and, exactly. But we also know that that's why most people buy into it. Of course. So stop calling it investment. Like if it's not an investment and people aren't investing it, but there is still that little, you know, it's that little cherry on top that holds out this faint dangling carrot. And I, look, I don't think any like one of the bigger breweries that's growing seemingly that's sort of doing quite well. Um, you know, Black Ops. Um, <laughs> yeah, and they've done every form. They've had private. Yeah. They've done everything except list on the stock, had an IPO or a <laughs> complete Watch sale. space, yeah. And they've done it really well. They've used that to capitalise the business and they've used it to grow very, very smartly. But it's also, and, and I can't speak from a, you know, sophisticated investor, but any finance industry professional or market, you know, business sale professional who I talk about, yeah. you know, in, in the background, I won't go on the record, um, <laughs> so I will, um, but they sort of say, 
that's one of the problems for a sale for a business like Black Ops. They're a very successful, very good business, but the share structure is so complicated. How does yeah. somebody come in and buy it? Um, another question, Claire, I was thinking about whether you had spoken to – do you recall you did an article recently and it was about that um, – I want to call it afterpay or the thing where yes, and you spoke afterpay. and you spoke mm-hmm. to the lady from like the creditor debt yeah help yeah the debt help, debt helpline people that yeah. are on the debt helpline yeah yeah and I was wondering what they thought about um, equity crowdfunding you know because I think I think maybe Matt's getting caught up on language because maybe it's investment maybe it's not and so you know and I was like oh does it really matter like if the people are reading the material and they get it like does it matter what the word is and but then I was thinking I actually wonder if that's just because I read it and I go I've read beyond the word and I I understand it and so I wondered whether the whether the debt helpline people Mm -hmm. are taking on this issue of except it's always and we're often criticized for you know words you're placing too much emphasis on words except (laughs) the people that choose words in their marketing choose words like they don't use words loosely they choose words that they know are going to have an impact in the market and i'm not talking about equity crowdfunding because i'm not sort of saying but whenever we zero in on a word that's used in marketing things like that but we also know that when it, if we use a word in one of our articles, that one of the businesses, oh, you place too much emphasis on words, we will get contacted if we use you know the wrong adjective, you know, to describe a <laughs> business. Before, yes. You know, like <laughs> even using a word like challenge that the business has faced. They, oh, you know, and from recent experience, talking about our challenges makes a business look like it's in a bad position. No, it doesn't. It's, it means you're a business and you exist business, in the world and you face challenges. challenges and th- things like that. And so it, it's often the people who mm. say you're placing too much are the ones that contact us saying you've used the wrong word. Yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking about it more. Words from, have power. Yeah, they do. But I was thinking in, about it from this question about is it actually having a. F- in answer to that, <laughs> I, <laughs> think, <laughs> I think probably maybe not necessarily the debt helpline yeah. um, people because they work at sort of smaller levels. Yeah. I would say the people that would be interested in this are the consumer bit of the ACCC. Yeah, well... I think they... Well, not, well, not that they would do much about it. Exactly. But it's about honesty and transparency in what you're selling to people, regardless of whether that's an investment opportunity or a product yeah, or a exactly. service. Yeah, exactly. So that's where I was kind of going, clear because mm. I was sort of thinking, like, I wonder whether people are going... You know, whether there is a body out there who is policing to make sure... As we know, the ACCC are doing nothing, right? Well, no, like they well, do very limited. Well, ASIC anything. should be marketing these things, but at the same thing, that's where it comes down to when it's marketing yep. or when it's things, it's puffery and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, misleading and deceptive. Yeah. Which is where also, I think we might see some changes on that on the ACCC front. There has been a change of leadership. So Rod Sims, who's an economist, has left, and now there's a lady um, who's come in as the boss of the ACCC, who's a lawyer. Mm. Um, now, I've been working a little bit in the background on um, the concept of competition yeah. and what that will mean for um, potentially things that the IBA have brought up yeah. and also things that we brought up, um, such as Pinnacle Drinks. Yeah. Um, but I actually think that um, the ACCC will how be baring their teeth a little more yeah right. they might go for the big dogs first but this will be something that 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 will be on their agenda um particularly given that it's a new snazzy um way but of the financing ACCC, business. It, it, it's one of those funny things like you know brew the, the, the clearest example of where the asx and asic should have been yeah, looking stepped in uh, much more closely except when, when you say that to professional financial people i should say but it's such a small cap you know like they don't go after the, 
But then, as we saw with the ACCC going after CUB for the uh, Byron Bay Pale Lager, that was the thing. They waited for a very clear example, you know, a shining red light or a flashing red light for behaviour that they wanted to see changed. They gave a very clear direction that should have been a roadmap for the industry and the the craft industry has ignored them on labelling. And this is why I think it's interesting because we talk about this in a vacuum in terms of the context of... um, what is crowdfunding? Is it an investment or is it a give a little? And what does that mean for the people that buy in in the context of the mm. beer industry? But we are not alone, mm-hmm. right? Like I see crowdfundings, equity for crowdfundings everything. for everything these yep. days, right? A, a honey venture the other day. Yeah. I right. So, <laughs> I like, so I guess lovely. my point was I was sort of going where in the um, – we aren't the only ones who must be asking these questions or mm-hmm. in particular you guys are asking these questions. And so where else is this being looked at? And the fact that it's not – a significant of significant concern that people are throwing away money or or finding themselves in difficult financial positions or not gaining the power that they deserve or so on and so forth all of those issues that we've discussed is not sort of except my being argument explored is by someone mm-hmm. this was a significant enough issue that it needed the parliament of australia to pass legislation to make it possible they put in corporate governance rules that a lot of breweries aren't actually adhering to. Like, you're not seeing some of the financial reports come out. Some of them are, some of them aren't. yeah. So, you know, you can't have it either way. Either it is important enough that it has this structure. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. The problem always is, and you saw it with the, um, you know, if if you've ever read um, the book about, uh, that they made a movie um, about the oh, GFC. Yeah. Big Short. Big Short, yeah. If you ever saw the Big Short, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you go I was that? like, have you ever seen the book that was made <laughs> I, into a I, movie? No, no uh, Michael <laughs> Lewis. I knew, I knew exactly yeah, what he meant. Michael Lewis's Big Short. <laughs> right. These things, you know, people were looking into it and there was absolutely no regulation of the CDOs and you had the two um, agencies that were meant to be yep. um you know, giving them their risk, you know, their triple A, their double A, you know, of, of the of the of the tranches who were incentivized businesses that, you know, if, if you gave them a bad risk, there was a you know, it was essentially a privatized market. So if you went to Moody's and they gave you a bad thing, you would go to the other one. So they had financial pressure on not doing it. And none of none of it was regulated. And everyone sort of said it doesn't matter. You know, we've never seen any problem with this. Um, until ah. suddenly there's a, a, a problem. And, and that's where, you know, yep. I, that's why I do draw um, marketing, you know, the, the, the labelling analysis because everybody just points to the person, you know, when their label is a little bit out, they point to the person who's just not quite as bad. And so, so I'm just doing the same thing. And it's really hard to draw that distinction between them because they are so close. But everybody's gradually inching forward. And... You know, it may not be a problem now. No one may have lost their house because there are, you know, yep. to, to do more than $10,000, you have to be a sophisticated investor. Yeah, you have mm-hmm, to do all of these mm-hmm. sorts of things. And it's not. My criticism is the way that it distorts the market because every brewery that hasn't done an equity crowdfunding is suddenly competing against businesses um, that have suddenly had, you know, a, a car share, I think, was asking for $2 million. Um, or Bridge Road is asking for $2 million. Or so, maybe yeah. both of they are. And suddenly, you've, you, all of these other businesses are competing. And, and again, absolutely no criticism to the businesses for taking this money. Um, we, we're not talking about the businesses, but we're talking about the equity crowdfunding model. Yeah. That they're legally and properly applying and not doing anything wrong. Yeah. But everybody competes against everybody else in the business. In, in, in the industry, and if suddenly you've got two significant players, say they both max out their ra- their raise, and they get um, two million dollars each to grow their businesses, suddenly every other business in in, in the industry is going shit. 
how are we going to compete against these businesses that have grown with this $2 million obligation-free um, cash injection? By going to get their own $2 million obligation-free. And mm. that's where the problem starts to come in. Suddenly, yeah. you know, so, so suddenly the market is being flooded with cash. And, yeah. you know, if, if we've already seen people talking about equity crowdfunding fatigue. So suddenly we're going to have a two-tier system, you know, and there are the people who didn't do it because they had ethical problems with it, suddenly competing against businesses. Well, you're just going to have businesses that weren't sophisticated enough to get it off the ground, and it's a timing question, but that's the timing question of all business, right? Yep, and we have had equity crowdfunds that haven't made it past the register of interest phase, um, which is interesting. Also, I have to say... I was the one that said I had crowdfunding <laughs> fatigue, so I'm not sure if that counts. Anyway, <laughs> look, I just tried to realise, if you're not bored of equity crowdfunding, if you had successfully equity crowdfunded and you wanted to give maybe not a financial return to the people that um, yeah. bought in, but if you wanted to give them, let them feel special... <laughs> Um, you why could put you reckon, their face on a on label. A label. Oh, and, that's but amazing. How would you do that? Oh, I would do that by calling our good friends at Rallings Label Stickers Fox. and Packaging. <laughs> oh, that was a beautiful segue. Um, you know, uh, in fact, I think Brad is out on the road this week, heading to Launceston and Hobart before he catches up with us tomorrow night in that Melbourne. Man. What a party! Um, yeah, but anyway, if you feel you could benefit from rallying services, maybe they didn't visit you in Tasmania this week, but I'm sure that Brad would love to head down to Adelaide or Kalgoorlie, where we know we have listeners. Well, more next week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Perth, Darwin. Any of our listeners anywhere. Um, I don't think they service uh, Asia, which we have a big readership in, or a big listenership in Asia. Hello, hello to all our friends in Asia. Um, but Brad, I'm sure, would love to visit you. Um, but if he can't visit you this week, you can call him on 1300 852 235 to discuss all of your label's needs and how you can spend some of that equity cash on rewarding your... <laughs> With a, with a, if, if not a face, even a name. Because a, a face might look a little bit like a, a lost child. Announcement. Oh, you know like those the old milk, milk things. Oh, or yeah. you might be our next Prime Minister. Ooh. Looking at Willie the Boatman. Yeah, that's um, not, so I want you to know that I was sexy thinking elbow. more... I was thinking sexy more elbow. like... I was thinking more sexy elbow and hawks. You know, that uh, was hawks, sort of the yeah. pictures I had in my head, not lost child. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for uh, for your support. Now, okay, so we've, we've talked about equity crowdfunding. Uh, beer trail, tourism, do you want to... I just think it's great. Great. The government yep. is actually Love that. a government, not the Queensland yep. government um, also or some governments. interesting as well because we, again, doing some work in the background on um, Brew Pro about beer trails, how to set them up. Mm-hmm. And they coincide really nicely with the IBA suggestion that we get um, more local clusters. Exactly. So get those little clusters on. Get your cluster on. But it also goes to show that the way to get funding from governments is by multiple small entities working together. Mm-hmm. So you really need to be working together, as yep. you say, Claire, yep. as a cluster to get the financial benefits because government is much less likely to fund something that is in the best interest of one organisation. But if you can prove that you're benefiting a whole region... Yep. Yep. Um, and then tick the boxes of tourism, exactly, jobs, exactly. innovation, like tick, 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 I tick. I recall a really great presentation from someone... 
years ago and it was talking about how to get the funding they needed to prove the additional of overnight stays and so if you linked together with multiple breweries you could actually estimate out the additional overnight stays and that's how you could um and that Mm. meant dollars creative accounting right there but that's how that's what um, tourism bodies want to hear about Mm because it's all about keeping people in the local community and so um I just think this is such a great example, another great example, and some actual um, state of the state um, material for you for next Absolutely. year, Claire. And that's where it's really hard to, to to quantify because you know if you're driving in into a country area, it's always hard to know where to stop. That's you right. Know, um, you know because the local coffee shop, you know, if if you're a bit of a coffee snob, you know, if it, you don't want to just get the Nescafe or really badly burnt coffee, and to some extent that that's why. McDonald's on the highway because you know you're never going to get a great coffee, but you know you're going to get a consistently yeah. shit coffee. Yeah, it's a known quantity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The devil you it know. risks it. You know the <laughs> toilets are going to be reasonably clean and, yep. and things like that. Um, how do you? Not, but no one goes to a regional area for a McDonald's. It's just a service that's there, mm. and yet they become made, breweries actually do become part of the local taste and flavour, um, as we're seeing. Um, and a reason to travel there and stay a there. A reason to stay yep. there, a yep. reason to go there. You know. And if you can get on your local council website, your local tourism board's website, you can get in the literature of the little information centres you have. Like, that is where you want to be. Mm. But even, Claire, I was listening to your discussion with Resin this morning on mm. the way in, and, you know, them talking about the the impact that their brew pub has had on their local community and that building sort of that's a reason to go there Mm -hmm. it's a reason to stop there now you know that might not have existed in that in that local community previously exactly and now they're part of the south coast ale trail and they've got a real focus on um, local provenance in their food like they're just flying in terms of um local attraction and attracting tourists from sydney might not be international tourists but it's people that that are in easy distance um which is cool so yeah they did well awesome uh new zealand Hops chief moves on. Uh, oh, there, there is so much with New Zealand hops. Um, you know, wish Craig all the best, as I said. Hops in New Zealand. Hops in New Zealand. Oh, sorry, yes. Well, hops in New Zealand and New Zealand hops because, you know, it's been – we've been watching for a while and reporting on deals. New Zealand hops is a grower co-op um, where you know, you've got 26 individual growers who market themselves, sell into the um, New Zealand hops co-op that then one point of sale externally. We've reported on a number over the last couple of years some of the larger, um, you know, very established brewers that are within growers that, uh, growers that are w- within that co-op have been inking deals separately to sell into North America and in, 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 into Australia outside of the co-op model, and then we've also seen new growers yep. set up with private equity outside of the co-op model that to some extent, and we've also seen the co-op investing heavily. There's a lot clearly happening you know in in New Zealand Um, the world of hops in New Zealand is one that is um, very I would say sort of complex the one thing that I think um, NZ hops has done um, and certainly in Craig's time they have rebranded but what NZ hops has done for all of the Mm. hops grown in New Zealand whether under that cooperative model or not is it has really flown the flag for brand New Zealand um, and in particular, the rebrand that's happened in the last couple of years, and that is noticeable uh, in the 
in the global marketplace, um, hops out of New Zealand mm. represent such a small portion of the global market for hops, but they have done such an excellent job alongside mm. New Zealand breweries and other yeah. – entities um, of branding brand New Zealand and they, they've got that real credibility and so that's something that has happened in the last few years. And with hops being the darling of brewing at the moment, you know, with the, all, right. all of the styles that are really driving it, that actually the branding of hops brands the brewing industry internationally very much as well. And it has been such a strong linkage between the two. I mean, you see the breweries in Tasmania getting involved first, Tasmania in the Tasman region, <laughs> um, being first to, you know, trial and, and participate in Nectaron. Um, and so it's been such an integral relationship and those relationships are changing in terms of um, who the big players are in hops in New Zealand, but nothing can be taken away from NZ Hops, the entity mm. and the work that it oh. has done to brand brand New Zealand. And Again, I just observations, think, not um, No, no, no. That's, but that's why yeah. I think it's been that's been really successful in the last few years. So, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that New Zealand hops and New Zealand brewing, you know, is, is regarded, you know, very strongly as, you know, quality and understanding the importance of quality. And you know who else understands the importance <laughs> of quality? <laughs> I'll tell you who, and it's not just the Tasman. It's Dixon Asia Pacific understands the importance of beer quality and just how important a brewing system is in terms of being efficient and reliable. This is where Dixon comes in. They supply all the technical flow products you need to brew a good beer from hose and hose assemblies to valves, accessories, fittings and more. Need product advice, technical support or training? You can contact Dixon as they have product specialists that can help you with this and more. There is a link in the show notes or you can find them in Brews News Business Directory and there is a link if you look at your phone or whatever, wherever you're listening to us now, you'll find a link to Dixon Asia Pacific and they can help you in your journey to quality and we thank Dixon Asia Pacific in helping us in our journey to quality. Um, <laughs> that reminds me, I don't think we've discussed I know this is so this is so nerdy of me. The brewery pro article about CO two recovery. Shout out to Hawks. So we've covered CO two recovery previously. Yes. Don't know if you managed to spot any of that. Obviously Young Henry's do a little bit of that with their algae project. Um so I've been keeping an eye on who does what. And Hawks Brewing has invested in uh indoor farming. So it's farming with it's building all the infrastructure required to farm within the brewery cool. and then pumping its CO2 into the farm to um, supplement the CO2 that it gets, apparently like three times the atmospheric level of CO2. Um, but what I didn't know is that you can get CO2 recovery systems on a small scale within a brewery. How crazy is that? Did that come out of Rocky Ridge as well? Uh, yes, a little little bit of that. So there's like a few people doing things like yeah, that. Trying um, to find we talked about that, yeah. And yeah. I know Blaster are looking into CO2 recovery systems yeah. for their new brewery as well. Yeah. Um, so it's on the agenda for people, which I thought was really interesting. Um, but I just realised we hadn't talked about it and I just wanted to um, hype that up. So go and have a read of that. Anyone well, it's, thinking about I mean, it? these are the things that are, you know, like we've said previously, re- you know, again, in your chat with Resin, they talked about how they were going to do this for, with wastewater and then it became difficult they were going to do x with electricity and then they that was also difficult and so all of the things that you're talking about make at the planning stage make your brewery more efficient 
in terms of both cost mm-hmm. and like what you can control. So yep. you're getting the quality and the cost. And mm-hmm. so if you're thinking about how do we exist as a brewery with, you know, the limited capital that we've got, mm-hmm. they're all the types of places people are going to be playing. Yeah, exactly. And it is more expensive to retrofit things, but things exactly. like CO2 recovery plants are becoming much more available to smaller brewers. Mm-hmm. And we spoke the other week about innovation and that's just a key point. That's uh, how they do it. And how the technology, I mean, Matt came back, um, from CBC talking about, you know, the, the increasing number of small sort of craft size pasteurizers mm-hmm. and it's that same point. You know, as the technology becomes more available, um, costs go down, that technology becomes more available to small businesses to implement in new and different ways mm-hmm. um, and it always starts on that industrial kind of scale and, mm. and comes down. So that's cool to see. It's kind of like NASA, you know. Inventing tang for the astronauts, which isn't true, apparently. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Teflon. We'll have to Google Teflon. that later. Oh, 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 sorry. <sighs> Look, a rabbit. Um, yeah, exactly. I was just speaking of rabbits, uh, we are all out of, we've got no more holes to disappear down um, for this week. Thank you very much for joining us. That wraps up another week of news. Your hosts have been me, Matt Kirkegaard, Sabrina Kunz and Claire Burnett, senior journalist Claire Burnett. Oh, thank you. The show is produced by Vivian Topalovich and edited by Joe Helder. We thank Crime Malt, Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging, Dixon Asia Pacific, New Zealand Ale Trail. No mailbag this week, but we do thank uh, New Zealand uh, Ale Trail and Thirsty Merchants for their support in making this episode possible. Thank you all for listening. You can share your thoughts on the show by emailing producer at brewsnews.com.au. So we'll have a mailbag next week um, or leaving a review on your favourite podcasting service. We haven't had a review for a while, so pull your fingers out. Somebody (laughs) tell us what you think. Help us out. Give us a a review um, or a little bit of attitude adjustment, um, but help others find us. And on that note, we're out. Boom.